Women's breasts have been a topic of concern and enigma for centuries, often shrouded in guilt and shame. They've become a topic of real concern. Unfortunately, women's inability to talk about their breasts and shame and guilt can often land them into trouble. In today's podcast, we're going to talk about breasts. Hi, I'm Dr. Neelima Deshpande, and this is V for Vagina, the podcast that dispels myths and misunderstandings about the vagina and empowers women to embrace their sexual energy, vitality, and well-being. I was a registrar in Warwick Hospital many years ago. I think it was the year 2000. And we had this uh, patient who was an artist. She was a cartoonist. And she drew this beautiful cartoon that depicted her journey through pregnancy and delivery. And in one of the frames of her cartoon was her sitting on a bed with her breast twisted, trying to take out the final drops of milk for her screaming baby. And above that was a semicircular notice board that said, Abandon shame, all ye who enter here. <laughs> Any woman who's gone through pregnancy and delivery will tell you, you just have to abandon shame and guilt relating to your body outside the door because everything gets exposed and revealed and squeezed and planted and prodded and touched. Oh my God, women and their breasts. But unfortunately, what happens to a lot of women is after they've had this baby, they don't go back to a doctor again. And one of the most weird circumstances is discovering a lump filled with dread and anxiety and some women will not talk about it at all shy whisper whisper <laughs> breast cancer is a big thing and it's happening in younger and younger women and that's one of the reasons to have this podcast to try and demystify things about the breast so that you don't feel concerned about going and talking to your doctor if you find something abnormal. When I first returned to Pune, I had a patient who developed a lump towards the end of her pregnancy. Unfortunately, it turned out to be cancerous. And when she got tested, it turned out she had a rare genetic issue going on with her. And many of you may have heard the terms called BRCA1 and BRCA2, a sort of genetic inherited risk factor for breast cancer, ovarian cancer and bowel cancer. This poor lady ended up with a bilateral mastectomy as well as removing her ovaries and her uterus. Must have been a huge shock. She went through many months of counselling to get over the trauma of it. I'm happy to say she's well adjusted and doing brilliantly in life with no recurrence, even 10 years later. We know from research that the early diagnosis and management of breast lumps is one of the key ways in which women's lives are saved. In today's era, it's not just about having your life saved. It's also about your quality of life. How you look, how you feel, how you navigate, all of the concerns that come around when you have a diagnosis 
of a lump in the breast. So let's go back to the beginning. What are breasts? Both men and women have breasts. Yes, and men also can get breast cancer and get lumps in their breasts. There's a very specific line on your body. It's called the mammary line. This line extends all the way from your armpits to your groin. And many people may have something called accessory nipples along this line. As the embryo develops inside the mother's womb, this line shrinks down to just two, one on each side. Breasts composed mostly of glands and fat and some supportive tissue formed by proteins, collagen and elastin. As we grow, different hormones affect the breast, its structure, its volume and its function. In girls, typically, three important stages in their life, puberty, pregnancy and lactation and menopause. I remember early on in my clinic, a young girl coming to see me because her mother discovered lumps on her body and she didn't know how to get rid of them. And when I checked her out, I found that she had more than three accessory nipples along the mammary line on both sides. Very interesting. Particularly later on, when she was pregnant, all of these nipples would secrete milk. She did go on then to see a plastic surgeon and have some of them removed. But it's important to understand that it's not all abnormal. Each person develops differently. Young girls in particular can be very bothered about the size of their breasts. It seems breasts are emotive issues, emotive things. Comparison runs high in schools, in maybe gyms, and even in swimming pool changing rooms. I once had a young girl come to me in clinic asking for a breast augmentation. Augmentation with hormone treatment is quite common, especially in young girls. But this young girl had a different kind of physique. And on genetic testing, it appeared that she had a different chromosomal arrangement, where her body was all female, but her genes suggested she had testes, which needed to be removed. She definitely responded to hormone therapy to augment her breasts. In older women, hormone treatment may not be such a good option, and particularly women over the age of 40. Hormone therapy in older women has to be done with careful consideration of their previous history and a detailed discussion of the risks, which include things like getting clots and increasing the risk of breast cancer. In younger women, it's a different story. Younger women can respond much better to hormone treatments for breast augmentation, but each woman will have their limit to how much their breast can grow, even with hormone treatments. Another unique structure of the breast is called an axillary tail. It extends into the armpit. And women who've had children and breastfed them will know that sometimes this tissue in the armpit can increase in size. It doesn't always go back to normal when you've stopped breastfeeding. Exercising this area to try and make it disappear also doesn't work. Breasts in human sexuality. This is a very highly emotive topic. Most women look at their breasts with a little bit of shame and anxiety, always critical of whether they're pretty enough, big enough, small enough, droopy, firm enough. 
and it affects their ability to engage in intimacy with their partners. A couple once approached me with difficulty getting back to their sex life once the wife had had a baby. And this harks back to the image that, that women have about their breasts and their bodies. On the one hand, the breasts are an epitome of maternal love, nourishment, nurturing. On the other hand, they're depicted in a very sexual way. Eroticism about breasts is written very differently to how maternal instincts and lactation are handled. Same organs. I had a couple who visited me because they were unable to get back to their regular sex life after the lady had had a baby. The husband's concern was, how do I see this woman as a sexual partner now? She's had our child and she's breastfeeding it. He couldn't get his head around the fact that the same breasts that he was caressing and enjoying before she had her baby were now the source of nutrition and growth and nurturing for this child that they were rearing together. And this is often a dilemma for women as well. How do you integrate your body, your feelings, your emotions, your need for intimacy, care, concern, with your need to be appreciated in your maternal role? I had a client once come to me because she was having difficulty allowing her husband to touch her breasts. She'd gone through pregnancy and delivery and one of the traumatic experiences she had was producing enough milk for her baby post-delivery. And in hospital, all of the nurses and the lactation consultant, everybody who showed up to help her, required her to expose her breasts. And they went about manipulating the breast tissue and squeezing it and getting out some milk and teaching her to do this and that and giving her stuff to eat and drink. The meaning she gave that event was, oh, this part of my body is only meant for feeding. This part of my body I cannot allow to feel sexual or turned on. The exposure, the attitude of the staff that looked at her simply as a woman wanting to feed her baby traumatized her. And she found it difficult to go back to seeing her body with the erogenous zones that included her breasts. You add to this the trauma that most women go through when their bodies change after a pregnancy. Extra fat, extra weight, tiredness, exhaustion, droopiness, maybe sometimes pain and discomfort associated with breastfeeding, sore nipples. It sets the ground for declining sexual intimacy, pleasure and care. And it doesn't have to be that way. The whole body has so many erogenous zones. The skin is the largest organ. And although for many women the breasts do form an important part of the erotic self, the other parts of the body are equally important. When a couple rediscovers this, they can re-engage their sexual selves and adapt and change with how the breasts change post-delivery to then include them as part of their sexual routine. The opposite can happen at menopause, where the glandular tissue shrinks and the breasts become more fatty and droopy. Sometimes they become tender and sore and uncomfortable. 
I remember a patient who refused to allow her partner to ever touch her breasts because they were always sore and tender. Most couples just adapt. They learn how to be sexual and intimate according to the way the body responds. What about breast lumps? In younger women, breast lumps can often be small, painless, they can migrate. And as they get into their 20s and 30s, the whole breast might feel like it's a little bit more tender and uncomfortable. It feels lumpy, especially before a period. In older women, breast cancer can come as a painless lump. Changes on the skin, discharge from the nipple. So how does a woman know when to go to the doctor? I often think it's better to just go to the doctor, sooner rather than later. (laughs) Unfortunately, many women who think they might have a lump just waste time. They say, oh, I'll wait till my husband comes back. I'll wait till my son comes home from holiday. Let me finish this particular exercise or this examination or this career change I was so looking forward to and then I'll go to the doctor. And sometimes it's just too late. The other way to deal with it is to get used to doing what's called breast self-examination. Now, in no way does a breast self-examination or a test like a mammography or a sonomammogram actually prevent cancer. It gets you used to looking at your breasts and touching your breasts and knowing what's familiar so that if something unfamiliar comes up, you can go to the doctor sooner rather than later. It's what happens after you go to the doctor that determines whether this lump is something you need to take seriously or not. And of course, then the results of the investigations and treatments can take a while to complete. So what's the best method of examining your breasts? Whatever age you are, it's usually a good idea to do it if you're still having periods soon after your periods finish. Maybe in the bathroom on the privacy of your bedroom, take all your clothes off and stand in front of a mirror and look at them. Are they equal? And having unequal sized breasts is not abnormal. It's quite common. But just noticing, what are they like? And raising your arms over your head and then looking at the breasts. Putting your hands on your hips, pressing down and looking at them. Observing the skin, the appearance of the nipple and the areola, which is the black tissue around the nipple. And then, with the opposite hand, so for example, using your right hand for your left breast, stretching your palm out flat is to go in a clockwise direction. All the way around the breast, touching the breast tissue against the chest wall. And then behind the nipple. And with the same hand, prodding inside the armpit. You're feeling for lumps. Lumps are not to be felt with your fingertips, but rather with the flat of your hand. Many women will get concerned and feel that their breasts are lumpy, particularly if they try to examine them before their periods. Or with their fingertips. Most likely what you feel are glands, not lumps. But if you're ever concerned, it's really important that at least once a year, you get your gynecologist or your GP or the female doctor that you regularly visit to examine your breasts for you and teach you the correct way of doing a breast self-examination. Like I said, the examination itself doesn't prevent anything from happening. It just makes you alert to what's normal to you. So if you notice something abnormal, And you need to go and just see your doctor. If you're menopausal and you haven't had periods for a while, 
and just choose one Saturday or Sunday of the month that you're going to do it. What is it about breast that stops us talking about lumps, about discharge and swelling, knowing that if we got to the doctor on time, we could get treated sooner? And if anything from this particular podcast reaches you or touches you, it should be that if I find something, I go to a doctor quickly. Getting treated, getting diagnosed can have a whole lot of fears that you can talk to your doctor about. Your mind can play funny games with you. But it's better to not allow your brain to get caught up in what might never happen. Today, surgery, treatment, everything is advanced so much that women can live an amazing quality of life, even after breast cancer. And they don't need this loss of identity, sexuality, beauty that they associate their breasts with. I have the story of a friend who underwent surgery. Everything was fine. She recovered. When the question came about intimacy, she was a little concerned. She says, what if? What if I have orgasms? What if I enjoy sex? Won't these hormones make my breast cancer come back? The truth is no. Your ability to enjoy your body, experience pleasure, feel joy in connection and intimacy, doesn't increase your risk of breast cancer. What does is being obese, sedentary, indulging in alcohol, smoking. These risk factors are far higher than getting pleasure from your body. So I do hope that this podcast has made you think a little bit about your breasts, also about being more open, talking about your breasts. And if you're a senior member of your family, getting your partners, getting the men in your family to be comfortable about talking about breasts because men get breast cancer as well. The more comfortable a family is talking about their bodies, the better it is for whoever it is that's concerned about their breasts and lumps. Being able to talk about your body without blame, shame, guilt is a huge asset. It can make the difference between life or death. So women and men, don't let shame rob you of a great life. Remember to like, subscribe and share this podcast with whoever you think needs to hear it. If you'd like to talk to me one-on-one -on -one for a personal consultation, get in touch with me via my website www.drnilima.com and you'll find a button there where you can click and book a slot with me. And I'll be sure to respond to any of your queries. Thank you. Disclaimer. This podcast is for general information purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and the materials linked to this podcast is at the user's or listener's own risk. The content on this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. Mm -hmm.